Hey, everybody, you're listening to Karen Disapproves. I'm your host, Chelsea Coons. We're talking to Summer Pappen today. Uh, she's a licensed therapist and clinical social worker, and she also has the honor and privilege of being my sister. Um, the reason I brought her on is from her history of working around death. Um, she's a former hospice social worker. And so she, she has so many stories that I've heard over the years of being with patients in the moments leading up to death, the moments after, and experiences that she can best describe as paranormal. Um, so we talk about all of this and including um, families grieving and how to comfort them, how to comfort patients. Um, she talks about her own personal outlook on death and the life after just from having these experiences. Enjoy. Kevin disapproves. Oh my gosh, it's my sister. <laughs> hey. hey, so you realize I'm the host. So that this means time I'll allow it. You have mm-hmm. to listen to me. <laughs> And you cannot interrupt me. This is my sister, everybody. This is Summer Pappen. She is a clinical psychologist and she is a... No. <laughs> clinical social worker. Yes. <laughs> well, I thought you were... Now, I thought you were a clinical psychologist. So um, I guess this is where we end the conversation. <laughs> all right peace out that's what I meant was clinical social worker okay this is summer she's my sister and she's a clinical social worker and a therapist was that better yes good job that's right so I know what you're all thinking it's her sister snore (laughs) it's awful (laughs) same thing looking at her I can be able to get through this. <laughs> oh my gosh, I need to take my sweater off. <laughs> okay, no, we're gonna be serious because we're talking about death. <laughs> gosh, death isn't funny, but talking to your sister late at night is funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's late. okay. So, okay, the reason I wanted you to come on, girl, was because you have told me so many stories over the years about working hospice. And I like your stories because for one, they're kind of entertaining, especially when it's like late at night and like staring, mm-hmm. kind of it's spooky. But two, I feel like your story gives a lot of hope for people. Cause I think that's like something that people think about a lot is the afterlife and yeah. people just like want to know, is there life after death? Is there like, and, and death is so unknown as mm-hmm. well. A lot of people haven't spent time with people who are on hospice and so it's just like a it's kind of a scary unknown thing so let's start out what is hospice so hospice is a service for individuals that have six months or less to live and that's determined by their doctor so the doctor would have to see that per their diagnosis or whatever they're going through that generally speaking this person would have six months or less to live And then the hospice team comes in and provides all kinds of services, nurse, doctor, 
bath aid chaplain social worker it really you get a lot of services the main point is to give support to the caregiver and to make sure that the patient's comfortable okay and then what was your role i was a social worker and so and but what does that entail so what the social worker does is we go in we did go in for our first visit and we assess the situation um so we're looking for the basic things. We're doing a psychosocial with the patient and the family, getting a background, seeing where they're at emotionally, um, socially, economically. Do they have enough food to eat? Is their power on? Um, do they need somebody to talk to and process what they're going through? Death and dying. So not only the patient wanted to talk, but it was often their family members. How can we support you? How can I help you? So as a social worker, we're looking at multi-layers yeah. of the person's life. Did you ever go into a patient's home and they didn't have food with like basic needs? Met? Yeah, many times, many times. Yes. Yeah. And so as a social worker, we would connect them to services um, or like I many times would go to the grocery store and pick up bags of groceries and hand deliver them. And that happened on numerous occasions or if they don't have power, you're the one helping to fill out the, the application to get them power, to get them really whatever they need, or they don't have warm clothes. So you're, you're doing a lot of different things. You're, you're going in and seeing, what do you need? If they don't have shelter or heat or food, you can't really deal with these things if you don't deal with the bottom things. So we kind of work our way up. And you're also a licensed therapist. And so yeah. were you providing those types of needs as well? Was it like At the time, I was not a licensed clinical social worker. I was working towards that. So I was a master's level social worker. And yes, I was doing similar to what I would have been doing as a clinical social worker, except I wasn't given my diagnosis, which is what I do now. Um, a lot of it was therapeutic services where you're helping them to process. You're walking with them on the journey. Um, and that takes a different skill set than maybe a nurse who would be also able to do things, but at a different level. So we all had our place um, as our team. My Honestly, hospice work is my favorite job I've ever had. And I've worked for a few different hospices. I also did hospice work when I did my practicum for my bachelor's degree. Um, and I just fell in love with it right away. I think that probably would be surprising for a lot of people that the people mm -hmm, that yeah. do it love it. I mean, I, yeah. I, I've seen that, like there's a TikToker who works hospice care who talks mm -hmm. about it and she absolutely loves it. Yeah. Like, so what, what drew you to it? What did, yeah. I don't even think I know. I, I mean, it's, well, <laughs> it's a lot of things. So number one, I've always been interested in death and dying. I just have, cause it's more like you said before, it's the unknown. Like nobody really knows. You know, many people have their spiritual beliefs, religious beliefs. Um, it's just the, the unknown. And I feel like it's, you know, our life is so short, but if there's an afterlife, yeah. a lot of people believe like it goes on forever. So just like the wondering. And I also feel like, you know, when you're there for the birth of a baby, that's beautiful and wonderful. But on the other end, you have death. So everybody's going to be born. Everybody's going to die. And I thought, what a special experience to be with somebody as they pass. And it really is until you've actually been there and experienced it. It's, it's an incredible experience. And it's just such an honor I've to be with somebody. I've heard people describe it as sacred. Very. Yeah. Like it gives me goosebumps and like, I can feel I'm getting red because it's, 
just because it brings up a lot of the past experiences that I've had. Being there with somebody when they die is a very spiritual and sacred experience because you can, there's things that you can feel. Um, there's just different sensations going on. Maybe not for everybody, but for me, I had a lot of experiences when the, the spirit would actually leave the body. Sometimes I could actually sense it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, well, there's so much to get into. First of all, I, I will completely validate you talking about how you've always been in, into death. <laughs> Uber emo. <laughs> Just kidding. Not at all. <laughs> but so we have one sister who d- does not want to speak about death. Yes. She, and it's really fun watching them go back and forth. <laughs> She does not like it. Will be, like say things like, you know, so when mom and dad pass and she's <laughs> saying, so it, like, <laughs> it's so awful, <laughs> but she'll start saying like, she'll start kind of like, like making plans. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> yeah. She so can't someone, handle it. You know, I was thinking, I feel like so much of our life revolves around what's in the afterlife or if there mm-hmm. is an afterlife, because I think a lot of times people get really tied to religion because yeah. there's like this comfort of, okay, there is an afterlife and here are all the things that I need to do to like secure my place in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like a big draw to religion. There's a lot of comfort that comes with it. And then For if you sure. think about it, so much of society has been built on religion like so many countries and wars have been fought over religion when, when probably to a lot of people, their biggest like pull to it is, okay, I need to make sure everything's right for the afterlife. So I think a lot Mm -hmm. of our life is spent in some ways living for the afterlife. When you first get a patient, what are some of the emotions that they're experiencing? Well, as you can imagine, a lot of them are very terrified. Um, especially the ones that would get like a diagnosis that they didn't expect, you know, and then they found out that they have six months or less. Those ones are really, really hard. And then you would have others that had been sick for a really, really long time. And they knew that eventually hospice was coming. So you would get people in different phases of that. So you would just, the thing that I would do, I would meet them where they are. That was just kind of my rule. If they are having a breakdown, when I go and I see them, I sit with them. I don't try to teach them anything. I don't try to tell them about the program. I would just sit with them. Um, The ones that were just ready and aware of it, you know, then we would explain the program to them um, and sign them on. There were a couple of times that we went to sign somebody up for hospice at a hospital and the doctors had not even told them that they were dying or that they were going on hospice. Whoa. And we didn't know that. And it ended up us being the ones and it was, it was not good. Yeah. Yeah. Doctors were too scared to tell them they, they wanted the hospice team to do it. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be that way, but in some ways it's like you as a therapist probably have better bedside manner than a doctor empathy than a lot of doctors. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's probably better in some ways. I mean, what, and then what would, would their reaction be when you'd go, they don't know they're dying and you're the one breaking it to them. What was that experience like? Holy crap. It was pretty intense. 
and especially when you see the, the look of shock on their face um, and disbelief, um, it's, it's a pretty intense moment because then we're shocked at the same time. You would go in the room and be like, okay, hey, I'm Summer. I'm here to sign you up for hospice. Yes. They'd be yeah. like, excuse me, come again? Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it's just a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our team did a really good job for all those individuals to where it ended up being a good thing. It was just pretty intense. So you have to be able to handle a crisis when you don't know it's going to be a crisis. You have to be ready to handle it. So we were put in those situations. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Your emotions in check. I think somebody had asked a question. I don't remember what it was. If like you get close to your patients. Um, Yeah. And I did because they're a human being and they're dying and they need love. They need support. They need somebody that's real. And so I wouldn't put on a fake face or attitude. I was me. And I think for the most part, they appreciated it. And if they cried and I wanted to cry, I would cry with them. I I wouldn't hold back. And I think a lot of times they appreciate that holding their hand, crying with them, talking to them. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it was really special experience. I actually really miss working for hospice a lot. Uh, Summer. I I definitely will go back. I think you were exactly what those, all of your patients needed. Because I think yeah, something thanks. that's rare in the professional world where you have someone who's actually connecting with somebody as a human being instead yeah. of like, all right, I need mm-hmm. to get onto my next patient, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember some of your stories that stood out to me were patients that you could see were actively dying. Yeah. And you just saying, okay, let's, I'm just making sure I'm taking care of their needs. I can go. You would, mm-hmm. instead you would put everything you were doing aside and you just sit there and you would hold their hands and watch it happen Yeah, because you felt like you needed that person needed somebody in this like really sacred moment to be with them. Yeah. Cause it, it really is a sacred moment. You know, they, they're leaving this life forever. There's, that's a big deal. And there are a lot of people that died alone uh, and hospice was there, died alone without family or friends and hospice was there. So they weren't alone. So it's just another reason why hospice is so wonderful. I mean, I have a couple of stories about that, that we can talk about later, but yeah. it really is a beautiful thing. I would have people would ask me all the time. I don't know how you do that. That must be the hardest job. And it always would kind of blow me away. Like maybe they just don't really understand because it's not a hard job, not hard in the way that I think they were referring to it. I viewed it as a, a job with honor, like honored to be with these people that they would allow me in their lives for something so sacred that they would allow us then, you know, they would allow themselves to be vulnerable enough. I think it takes a special person to have that perspective and to have that reaction to it. Cause I don't know how many people would have that same experience. I don't know. I think I think some people are born to do certain jobs. You know, there's like, I couldn't be a nurse mm-hmm. that I, I wouldn't be able to do that. But for this job, I feel like this was something I was born to do. It came naturally to me. <clears throat> I actually think it was just today. There was some quote and I'm not going to quote it right, but it was essentially like, if you have a pull or a passion about something or like mm-hmm. a particular interest in something that's not by chance and you should, yeah you should like delve into it basically. Mm-hmm. And so 
Yeah. I mean, because I think you, you also, you all, you have always been very curious in this, in this side of life. So what are the different stages of grief that you see in your patients? Um, well, the five stages, um, see if I can remember them. Sadness, denial, they're not in order because grief is never in order. Sadness, denial, anger, bargaining, acceptance. And did you see see all of that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I would see a lot of anger and go through each one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I've worked with people long enough. So not only do you have the patient that may go through the five stages not everybody, cause some people they're ready to go. You know, I've had plenty of 85, 90 year old patients that they're ready to go. So they yeah. didn't have to go through that. You know, yeah, that's probably a different, because yeah. they, and before you've met with them, they've probably gone through those stages already. Yeah. You know, they've accepted that they're older and that they have some health problems. Maybe they've gone through it, but those are, those are the five stages that are pretty common. I'm sure there's people who also have loved ones that have passed and they're Mm -hmm. excited to see them. Oh, you would hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. They would see their family members. They would see them like as, as they would get towards like the, you know, you have the dying process and there's different stages, but when they're nearing like active dying, a lot of people, a lot of patients, they would see family members. They would just see them. I have actually heard this and I know you've talked about it a lot too, but a lot of different hospice workers have had the same experience or people who've mm-hmm. like worked closely with people who are passing where it's the same thing. They'll see pets. They'll see like past yeah. pets that have passed on family members. Yep. friends, loved ones. And yeah. how, how, how soon or how close to death do they usually start seeing that? Um, I've seen it vary. I've seen people be able to see loved ones like three months before they die, five months before they die. But the majority that I have seen, it's like two, three weeks or days Usually, usually like in the end stages is when, in my experience, people have seen their loved ones and they see them like very clearly or they'll hear them. And that's pretty common to have visual or audio. Um, you could call it hallucinations. Um, it's very, very common. What do you think it is? I personally, personally, I believe that to be real. I think they are really hearing and seeing somebody. And, and that's based off of all of my experience. I believe they are seeing somebody or hearing somebody. Do you absolutely do you remember any stories or have any stories in particular where people would say things or. So I went to see this patient. She was probably 80 ish and she had a huge family. There were so many family members there. Like it was overwhelming, but lots of support, really sweet family. Um, she was conscious when I went to see her, I could talk to her then maybe the next day or the day after she kind of went unconscious, which is not uncommon in the dying stages. They can kind of come in and out, in and out. Um, so now she was just unconscious and for a few days. And during that time, her grandson, who was probably 25, killed himself, um, got in a fight with his girlfriend and had had enough. 
So the family contacted me and said, you know, this is what happened. We're mortified. We're grieving. We do not want to tell grandma what happened. If she wakes up, we just, we do not want to tell her she cannot handle it. So, um, I went out to visit the next day and the family met me at the door and they said, she's awake and she already knows. And we did not tell her. I just got, yeah, I know. Like talking about this, I'm getting all red because it's like, it's so like a visceral reaction Mm -hmm. to so many, because all these memories. Um, so they said, and I said, how, how does she know? Well, she woke up and she, we went to talk to her and she said, I already know. We'll just say his name's Johnny. I already know that Johnny's gone. He came and he told me, he told me what he did and oh, goosebumps. He no, told me what he did. And he said he was very, very sorry. So she already knew and the family was just blown away because nobody told her they weren't going to tell her, but she woke up and she was peaceful. And she said, I already know. Isn't that crazy? Like goosebumps. Yeah. I, after all these years, it's so sad, obviously what happened, but I, I feel like stories like this give me so much comfort and peace. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that there's somebody that it just doesn't stop, you know, life doesn't just end when it, when our bodies stop, like we continue Wow. It just makes me want to know like how are what they're in like another dimension and her grandson yeah, comes yeah. like, Oh, like in what world it's, is, is it a dream or is her like spirit in another dimension? Mm-hmm. It's there's so many, unknowns. right. So many unknowns, so many unknowns. I wonder, but it, it gives me brought, a lot of comfort. And I wonder with her family, I wonder if it brought them just so much comfort. Yeah, it did because they weren't like, they seemed just from the time I spoke to him on the phone, when they told me about it to when I came to visit, they were way more at peace, sad for sure. But they, it was almost like, Oh my gosh, there's life after death. Mm. He went and he talked to grandma. He told grandma what happened. They were just blown away and it did give them a lot of peace. Yeah. Did he, uh, now I, if I remember the story, right at some point, did he say that he regretted it? Um, yes, yes. I'm glad that you said that. It's been so long. He said, he said, grandma, this is what I did. I don't remember exactly, but he did say, I regret what I did. I am so sorry. That's what he said. That's not verbatim. Um, it's been so many years, but when he was, so she was able to tell the family and that's what brought them comfort. And also probably as well, I would think that would have given the grandmother some comfort too, to know that. Oh yeah. She was very at peace. My grandson. Yep. She had no problem dying. She was totally at peace and ready to go. Yeah. So what, when somebody is passing, what are the active stages like when they're passing? So generally different stages. Generally, there's three stages, but it depends on who you're talking to or what literature you're reading. But usually there's about three stages. Um, The first stage can happen like weeks before they die and they just stop eating as much. They're just they just stop eating a little bit Um, where before eating was like enjoyable. Food tastes good. Um, Suddenly it doesn't. It's just, you know, 
their body is now conserving the energy for other things. They, they don't need that amount of food anymore. Um, so that's usually the first and that usually takes, they can kind of go in and out of that. And the family members, one thing that I've noticed is that family members start to kind of freak out. Oh my gosh, dad's not eating. Oh my gosh, he's not drinking. Oh my gosh, he's going to die. And the thing that we would remind them is if you try to force them food, that's not going to be good for them because a body knows what it needs to do, the systems it needs to shut down one by one to pass peacefully. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people explain the dying process as very euphoric, very euphoric. And you don't want to mess with that process by giving them food because that's going to mess with the process and that's not going to make them feel good. You want them to be comfortable. So that was a challenge. um, Our bodies are like protecting us. Like there's a certain process it goes through. So it's like this calming Mm -hmm. experience. Okay. So what's the second stage? The second stage is when the body's circulation starts to slow down. So um, they, the blood is more going towards like their organs to keep the organs going a little bit longer because there's a process. So this is like when the family members like feet could be cold, um, where their feet could be like darker in color. So a lot of times you want to put a lot of blankets on them. They might be a little bit colder because their circulation is not working the way that it normally would. They can start to have some confusion. They kind of detach from their environment. They, they detach from their loved ones a little bit, but you know, we would just let people know, like, this is not alarming. This is completely natural. They're fine. This is the body is doing exactly what it needs to be doing. And it's very calming. It's very euphoric. Um, they're fine. Um, and then the third stage usually is like within hours of them dying, they can be very disoriented. They can have agitation. Agitation can be a really hard one to see. Uh, I've seen some agitation with clients that are actively dying. This would be like the active dying phase. Um, I would see patients trying to get out of bed and in the family, the family had a hard time with it because the patients would try to get out of bed and they pull them back in and they try to get out of bed and they pull them back in. And this was why are they pulling them back into bed? Because they don't want them to get hurt because their body's not functioning because their, their systems are shutting down. Mm -hmm. So they would have a harder time walking or they want them to usually family members want them to lay down because in the active dying phase, they're actively dying. So sometimes you'll see restlessness, not all the time, um, but there's medication, which is why hospice is really good because hospice can give them the medications that they need. If there's restlessness, Mm -hmm. if there's pain, there's not always either one of them. Um, but and hospice will also leave medications there for like emergency. Like if they can't get there in time, there's a problem The family can administer certain medications. So it's, it's quite nice, but yeah, they, um, um, have you heard of the rally where yeah. like a burst of energy? Yep. <clears throat> yep. I've seen a lot of that. And then we try to prepare families for this because if that happens, it doesn't happen to everybody. If that happens, family members like, Oh, they're coming too. Oh, maybe, maybe they're not actively dying. So family members often will get their hopes up. So we try to tell them ahead of time. Yes. I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then, and then they could rally and then they could be unconscious the next hour. 
so then never wake up. Explain what the rally is for people. The rally is they suddenly will just get burst of energy. Um, they'll be actively dying and suddenly they're up. They want to do this. They want to do that. There's just like a burst of energy. Okay. Most of the time when they rally, they're disoriented. Most because they're they're in that late stage. Um, I'm sure other people might have different stories, but that's my experience. When um, does the rally usually come? Because I have never heard of the rally. But I but when I heard of it, I was like, oh, that actually makes sense because this one time. So mm-hmm. well, I think it's different for everybody, but what I have seen is it could happen a, a day before. It happened a few days before. And this is when the family's like, oh, they were actively dying, but now, now they're, they're up. Now they're talking. Now they're da, da, da. So it kind of tricks people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next part of the, th- part of the last phase is, I don't know if you've heard of like the, they call it like the death rattle. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. So you, they'll get that, that rattling. Um, and then they'll also, they can stop breathing for several seconds and then breathe again then stop and so I've been with several people where they've been with their loved one and the patient stopped breathing and they're like he's gone and then all of a sudden <sighs> breathing again so as hospice workers we try to prepare families yeah. for the wow. active dying process because yep. it's it's we try to take as much burden and unnecessary hurt and pain where we can we try to help ease that burden because it's hard enough, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah, and then the act of dying is when they leave. And are you working with the families? Um, cause obviously you have your patient, you have, mm-hmm. I mean, you have the caregiver that I'm sure you're working with, but what mm-hmm. about like children or grandchildren, siblings, parents, mm-hmm. are yeah. you doing any counseling with them in the meantime? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, I would do counseling there at the home. So if the patient is alert and oriented, then I can sit with the patient and family and we can openly discuss. I had lots of counseling sessions where we're having open communication about people's fears, concerns, old memories, helping them learn how to cope and to get through it and to make this the best time they can where possible. Um, Sometimes when the patient was like unconscious, I would go and meet with like different family members, like one-on-one because it was usually at their house. Um, and just do this little mini, I don't know if you call them a session because I wasn't licensed, but it was social work intervention, social work meeting, um, processing session. Um, what words, um, and this is actually one of the, uh, one of the listeners questions, but what words of comfort did you find were the best while somebody's loved one's passing or after they've passed? Um, you know, I would kind of go with my gut on that depending on the person. Most of the time I would just say, you know, I'm here, Mm -hmm. I'm here, you know, I'm here with you. You know, I know this is a hard process. I'm here. Um, and I would also help them to know how to talk to their loved one, the one that was passing, because that can be tough for a lot of people. What do I say? What do I do? I don't know what to do if they're struggling to. So helping them to process that first and then be with the patient and be able to talk to them and talk about memories. And we did lots of memory books where they sit down with their loved one and say, what was your favorite memory? And they write it down. You know, what, what, where were you born? They write it down, like all these different memories that they can keep forever. So you can make it a special time 
but sometimes it can be hard to find the right words to say things that you don't want to say. I know what you're going through. Um, saying, I'm sorry. Some people accept it. Okay. Others don't, you know, sometimes the best things to say is I'm here and let me know if there's anything I can do, or you can offer. How about I do X, Y, or Z, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's tough. It's tough. That's so hard. You also don't want to put your foot in your mouth either, because I get, I'm sure it's like a very triggering time. I know they say not to talk about religion Mm -hmm. and, um, unless the person is the same faith or that, you know, don't go in and just say, well, my beliefs are, this is what happens when you die. And if I were in your shoes, this is how I'd be feeling like all that stuff you should steer clear of just be very supporting and loving. Yeah. Communication is a key. Just having that communication between all the members is the best thing to do. I know with mom, when she had somebody who passed, what we did for her was, was like, I had to read on a podcast called a blues basket. (laughs) <laughs> but what we did is we like every day we left mm-hmm. on her doorstep, a little gift, just like a little something just to kind of brighten her yep. day for, I don't know, several days. I don't know. Yeah. She did tell like us a robe. She did tell us to stop buying her things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't she, know. <laughs> she told us to stop buying her things. But she's like, oh, you guys don't have to get me. You don't have to keep buying me. Things. <laughs> so, she's like, will you guys leave me alone? I, I don't know if that works. So maybe she liked it. I don't think she'd ever tell us. That she it, but I thought it was a really good idea. I think so too. I think that I think it's so sweet. I'm sure she liked most of it, but she's pretty private. So she loved it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are there any stories in particular, any patients that really stand out for you? Um, I had a patient at the time she was 30. <clears throat> this is when you wanted me to say, um, she was a sweet, sweet girl. I guess I should say woman. She seemed like she was a little bit younger and she was always in bed. She was sick. You know, she'd throw up a lot. She didn't feel good. Never married, no kids. She lived with her brother and mom and she was always just so peaceful. And she just talked to me all nice. And, and I'm thinking, at the time she was my age, like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, it was hard not to put myself in her shoes because we're the same age. Um, and after I went to visit her a couple of times, I finally asked her, you know, you know, you just seem so peaceful about all of this, you know, um, how, how do you, how do you find so much peace? And cause she would listen to Christian music and, um, she said, well, She's like, Summer, remember her saying my name, Summer. Um, I died before and I came back and I was like, what? She's like, I was in surgery um, a few years back and I died in surgery. I don't know if it was several minutes. I don't remember the time frame. And she came back, of course, but she said, she said, when I died, I remember her saying, take the most peaceful feeling you've ever felt ever. And multiply it times a billion. And that's still not as peaceful as you'll feel as soon as you die. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I got chills. And she's just said it very, very matter of fact. And there was a warm light. It was bright. And she said, I saw my dad who I died. She said, I saw my dad. And she didn't tell me all the personal details. 
but she did say no. I talked to my dad for a long time and he told me that I have a sister and she's like, and I didn't know I had a sister. And he told her about a sister. Um, and they talked for a while and I don't know all the details. And he told her finally, it's time for you to go back. And she's like, I don't want to go back. What? I don't want to go back. He's like, you need to go back. So, um, she came back and now it was like three years later. Now she was acting act, you know, of dying. And she said, you know, in summer, that's why I don't fear death. She said, I know, I know exactly where I'm going. I know there's life after death. I know I'm going to be with people that love me and there'll be no pain. It's all joy and happiness and the more peace you've ever felt. And then she talked to her mom about the sister and her mom's like, yes, you have a sister, you know, and I didn't tell you about her and I don't know the reasons why. And she's like, but you do have a sister. Yeah. Wow. But she was completely at peace. And she used to listen to this Australian Christian singer, and I don't remember her name, but she would just listen to her all the time. She wanted to be buried with headphones in her ears, listening to her singing. And she was, she was buried. But what we were able to do is we contacted the Dream Foundation and the Dream Foundation was able to get a hold of her favorite artist, the Australian singer, and they talked on the phone for a long time. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember you telling me that. It's so cool. It was just like so magical for her. Oh. And it was probably like less than two weeks before she died. Like gives me goosebumps. Like it's like talking about all this is kind of like emotional, not like in a bad way, but like, wow, you know, remembering all these stories. It's just so oh. neat. See why it's just such like a gift that I, you know, to be able to be with them. It's so cool. Get to experience this point of view that you were able to experience. What I like about this story is how much peace it brings. I feel like this mm-hmm. story really bring people peace. And why I like you sharing it is I trust you. Like, I know that you, yeah. I, I know you as being an honest person and mm-hmm. I don't feel like you really try to like amp things up. You're really, really basic. So like, <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> Just kidding. She's always been the hot sister. Okay, I'll tell you one of my favorites. There was this, I think, I think I've told you a story. Yes, I have. So there, I, I went to go visit a patient for the first time. I didn't know much about him. Usually you get like the age, the basic information but you have to go see them within X amount of days. So I pull up to their house, I think on day one, um, to go and make my initial visit. And as I'm walking up to the door, the nurse is walking out. So we meet outside and she said, this patient's actively dying. He's, he's not gonna, he's not gonna be here much longer. I need to go and get different medications right now. I'm like, okay, who's in there? His wife. Okay, I'm going in. She leaves. I go in totally. I don't know anybody. Um, when I go in, he, the patient is on the right in a hospital bed. And then she greets me at the door and she's the cutest little old lady you've ever seen. Oh my gosh. She was legally blind, um, which means she could just see a teeny, teeny, teeny bit. And she would 
use her little cane to walk around the house. And she was so cute. So sweet. Immediately. I just, she just was this pure soul. I could feel it. And so I introduced myself and, and I said, you know, we talked about, and she knew that he was actively dying. So I said, is it okay if you just sit, can I just sit with you? And she said, yeah, I would, you know, I really love that. So she sat next to her husband's head by the hospital bed. And then I sat across from her and we were just talking, just, you know, easy talk and asking questions about her, keeping it real light, you know, cause he's dying and we can hear him. We can hear the rattle. Um, and then he would stop breathing and then he would start again. And I knew that she couldn't see him. So I thought, oh no. And so he kept stopping and starting again, stopping and starting. And then, um, then the last time he did that and she's, she's talking to me and I'm looking at him. I'm like, Hmm. And so I said, whatever her name was, um, I think he's died. I think he has passed. And she said, Oh, really? It was so sad. I said, Yeah, I think he's passed. And she was so cute. She went and she squeezed his hand and she stood up and gave him a hug and gave him a kiss. Um, and then she stood up. And then he had these shelves above. There were shelves in his bed, it was like this. And there were shelves. And stuff started falling off the shelves right when she like stood up, right on top of his body. Yeah. Oh, and she's like, and it's funny because she, she, her and I both were like, Oh, Oh my gosh. And she said, that's him. That's him. He's doing that. And, and I knew I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, that's cause she can't see very well that he wants her to hear. She wants, she, he wants her to hear it cause she could hear it. Boom. Boom, boom. It wasn't scary. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't, it didn't have a bad feeling at all. It was just like, okay, he's just letting us know. And so she was just like, wow, oh my gosh, that's him. That's him. And it's like, oh, just, like sweet way of him just saying, yeah. I want, he's like comforting her. He's wanting her to know that yeah. he's gone. And yeah. Yeah. Like, like there's life after death. I'm still here. I might not be in my body, but I'm still here. And that was so comforting to her. You know, when certain experiences happen, some people can say, oh, it probably was nothing. Mm -hmm. But when you're in that experience, there's something different. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it. There's something different where, you know, you feel there's something different. Mm -hmm. And I know that was him. I feel that. And ever like, I can just feel it. That was him. And so I think I went and I visited her a few days later, you know, kind of did, did my thing there. And then the nurse arrived and all that. And then I pulled up and she came outside with her little cane and she said, I knew you were here. He started dropping things again. He let me know that you were here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Was I'm he like, dropping things off the shelves again? I don't remember if it was the shelves. I think it was, but I don't remember for sure. She said that it must've been it must've been the same. I'd have to really think about that. But right as I pulled up, he started dropping things like she's here. Ding, ding. She's here. It's like, Cause she couldn't see. She came out. She's like, nothing I knew glass, it was you. Girl. Nothing glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she said, she's so cute. Oh, she's so cute. Um, she said, and, and he does these funny little things. He plays little, these little tricks on me. She said, 
like laughing. She's like, he moves my cane, you know, to like play little jokes on me. She's like, that's what he used to do. Oh, when, and he, he, moved when he was alive, he used to do that. Yeah. She's like, and he'll move it, you know? And I have heard that this kind of stuff happens. Oh, wow. So yeah, she was just happy about it. Like just peaceful yeah. and comforted, you know? And what's really cute side story, because <laughs> it just made me think of it. I had another patient literally like four, four doors down from her. And she was in a, another sweet little old lady and her husband had died maybe a week before. And <laughs> so I was able to connect them the ladies together Mm -hmm. I had to be really careful about it because of privacy and stuff so I had to get both of their permissions they didn't know each other and then they were friends it was so cute they became buddies after that yeah these little widows yeah they lived on the same street and they didn't know each other you're such a good social worker almost (laughs) like a good person well I I mean who wouldn't have done that who had you were so lucky Oh, thanks. Like that. I just don't see, like, I feel like that is going above and beyond for somebody because you're, you actually care. You're not just in the moment doing your job, but you're like, okay, this is actually something that could change her life. If she has this company that she, to like help fill some kind of void, just to give her that company Mm -hmm. and also someone agreed with. Exactly. How far apart did husband's pass? I think it was within a week or two like really close. And the, the cool thing is, is that this little lady, like, even though she's blind, like she could walk because she could, like, if you're squinting your eyes, you could see just a teeny bit. Like if she wanted to, she could walk to this neighbor's house, mm-hmm. you know, cause it wasn't that far. So she could, yeah. So then she had like a little friend. It's just so sweet. Those were little you, cute okay, ladies. You said you were the hospice, you did do hospice for her, the other girls. Time. Yeah. Okay. And that's why I knew about her. I was like, when I went to this new house, I'm like, that's only a few doors down from the house last week. Yeah. So that's kind of how all that pulled together. It was really, yeah. There are lots of really special moments with that lady, but that's like the, the main. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Are there any other stories or things that you want to mention about your time doing hospice care? So I, I also worked at like a a hospice inpatient unit where you would have like hospice patients. So they weren't at home. They were in a cute little unit. And I was in the office one day doing little things. And um, this guy comes in to go visit another patient. And then when he leaves, he stops in and we start chatting and he's like, man, I am, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of all of these people that are dying. I'm like, what? It was just like a weird, I didn't know him. Weird thing to say, weird comment. Yeah. He was probably like 30, 35. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm jealous because I died and I came back and I did not want to come back. He said he was in a rodeo. I don't remember how many years before and he got kicked in the chest, I think by a bull, maybe a horse. I don't remember, but he got kicked in the chest and his heart stopped and he just, so he was dead for a while. Um, I don't know how long, I don't remember. And he told me about different experiences of people he saw, how peaceful it was, how bright. And he's like, there's no way to describe what I saw. He's like, I was told I had to come back. I did not want to come back. And every day since I am, I don't think he said angry, but he said, I'm jealous of anybody that I hear that gets to go on the other side. He's like, I, I remember he said, 
I'll never commit suicide to get there. He's like, I wouldn't do that, but I want to go back really, really bad. And I cannot wait until I can go back. I was just like, yeah, but I have heard that from a lot of people. Like they never want to come back, Mm -hmm. you know, even if they have like family, I don't know if it's just so blissful. I don't know. I mean, yeah, pretty much any story I've heard of somebody passing and coming back, they're like, I wanted to see her. It was that beautiful. Man, there's yeah. so many unanswered questions that <laughs> I know well, someday when it's that time, I guess we'll all, everybody will find out at some yeah. point. Yeah. So many questions. Yeah. I mean, so many questions, but I, what I narrow it down to, cause you could just go on and on and on and on. What I narrow it down to is I just think there's life after death. I personally believe that I've had too many experiences to doubt yeah. and I know it's going to be peaceful. And I'm not afraid, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really, you know, and I'll be with my family again. Those are the main things that are important to me. All the other stuff at one day I'll know, or maybe I won't care, but that's what's important to me. And so I think a lot of that peace and sense of, I don't know, feeling pretty assured that that's, what's going to happen, that I learned that from hospice a lot of it from hospice and I had a weird thing that happened tonight that I can tell you about later it's not that crazy it's not that crazy but I had something weird happen to me last night what maybe it's in preparation for us talking that's I think why the thing happened to me tonight hold on you tell your thing okay maybe not it's not like a huge thing but so last night I went out with some friends I came in pretty late because it was a birthday party so I got in pretty late and I am super anal about making sure all of the lights are off in the house mm-hmm. and everybody was sound asleep. So I like went, I, I double check locks and burners and lights and, and I go and I lay down and then, do you know, the find my iPhone alert, how it's mm-hmm. so loud. Yeah. One of our old phones was on the counter in the kitchen. And all of a sudden I just hear beep, 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 like screaming at me to find my iPhone. Everybody's asleep in the house. And I was like, I like woke up with my heart like racing. Matt is sound asleep. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just freaked out. And all the lights are off in the house. So I think, oh, gosh. so I go out there and I am a very light sleeper. I sleep with my door open so I can hear the kids and everything. Like I know if people are awake. To find my iPhone's going off, it, it's freaking me out because it's so loud and abrupt. And then I go and I see that the kids playroom, the lights on and the TV's on in there, like just the screen. I don't know. I have the creepiest feeling because I checked everything and and like lights are off. Like I check all of that stuff before I go to bed every night. So I don't know. I don't know what it could have been because nobody was up. Crazy. I, that's all. And I could not sleep after that. I had the weirdest, creepiest feeling. Yeah. Okay, oh, I don't like that stuff. I don't either. Ugh, good or bad. Yeah. It's creepy. Like it, it makes, cause I don't know if it's good or bad. Then it makes me yeah, like yeah. somebody is there like an entity here, you know, or is it a coincidence or is it just like, you don't know. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, well maybe I didn't check as good as I thought, but I am so anal about <laughs> that stuff. So I'm like a dad with the lights. I'm going around turning off lights all day. You should have just like pushed Matt out of bed. 
go take care of this. You just kicked him out of bed. I know, man. And then we had like our th- our um, three year old sleeping in between us too, and both of them sound everyone's sound asleep. Oh my sleep. gosh! And then you're <laughs> dark house. Ugh, I'm like getting children. Okay, okay. Now your story. Want to hear it? Um. So, I was writing notes today about this because I wanted. I'm like, okay, what stories do I want to tell? I'm just making some notes. Um, and then I wrote like. Cause I was going to talk, we don't have, I mean, I was going to talk about some dreams I had. Um, and then my friend, Joe, I was going to tell dream about him. So I like wrote down names and stuff. Right. So I go running with my friend. It's dark. I, I go to meet her, turn my car on. And immediately the song starts. That was like our song, me and Joe, like a friend, a friendly, but it was like back when, cause he's passed um back in the day like we when there were cds and stuff we'd always talk about the song and we'd like sing a song mm-hmm. and and it right when I turned the car on it was at the very beginning of the song and I was like okay and immediately I thought Joe okay so it could be a coincidence right but I was like but we're talking about hospice he was on hospice we're talking about death and dying um, I wrote his name down. I was thinking about him. And so I get to the park and it's dark out. We have our headlamps on. And I'm with my friend Kaylee. And I'm like, you won't even believe what happened. I'm like, this song came on and I just felt, we talked about it for a few minutes. And then as we're on our run, I didn't say anything to her, but I was like, I kind of felt something like with us. It wasn't necessarily bad or good, but I'm like, I'm like, is it Joe? <laughs> you felt just a presence with you I felt I just felt something with us yeah uh, but I didn't want to freak her out because I was like mm-hmm. and then so she starts recording um a video as we're running but we always are like we just do these silly things and it's dark and she's recording her video we're running and she's talking and there's this orb that's you can only see it from the video yeah um she's like did you see that orb? I'm like, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, I kept looking behind us to see if there was a light behind us. I'm like, no. And so then, you know, okay, so it could just be coincidence. Um, so then after the run, I get in my car and not even 20 seconds into driving, the song comes on again. The whole song, I was like, oh my gosh, this is Joe, my like, yeah just oh. I don't know how to describe it people don't but you didn't explain but he this was like her best friend growing up yeah he's, he's like very part of me yeah tragic death yeah not, oh I have chills like everywhere right now yeah so I just said on the way there and on the way back because I just like that was our song like we would jam it like it was just like a, I don't know how to explain it it was on, the radio? It was on well, I have Sirius radio Sirius XM okay. and it was and it was on, I go through like a few different stations. So it was on one station. It wasn't like a CD that was in your car. Or mm-hmm. People don't listen to CD. No, it was on the radio. And right when I turned it on was the very beginning of the song. And so I remember I was like driving. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I haven't heard this song in forever. Oh my gosh. And I was like, Joe. You said I miss it out loud. I would <laughs> I be did. so scared to say it out loud. But I guess he was a friend. I know and it's in the dark. No, it's I was a, just like, Joe, really good friend. I miss okay. you. Oh, well, cause you know, I don't know. I just felt like saying something out loud. And then on the way back and there it is again, 
I was like, oh, holy cow. Well, that was not coincidence. Yeah. So I just said something out loud again. I'm like, thanks, Joe. I love this song. I miss you. Creeped out, or was it like a little bit peaceful? It was a little creepy just because it was like dark outside and there was fog and I couldn't even see in front of me. I had to drive like 10 miles an hour. I was like, oh, I can't see. And the song is like blasting. It was so foggy. He like appeared in the fog. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) then he like drove off the road or something. Oh, Joe wouldn't do that to me. (laughs) But I am. Dude, that's that's real. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Two okay, times. Your story, within. Was, uh, your story is way better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> mine could have very easily been coincidence. Like I, after I was like that. I just didn't check. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is weird that it just started like my five yeah. phone. Everybody in the house is asleep. Yeah. Who's five yeah. phone? Dude. Yeah. I don't know. Just cra- crazy how something though between both of us. I wonder. Okay, you tell me if something happens tonight. No, don't put that energy out there. Nice. Something might happen here. Oh, nope, nope. Mm. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> All right, we're gonna Kate. We're gonna do because honestly, the listener questions are really good, and so okay. I we gotta get to them. Oh, okay. Somebody, so, so how can you comfort a child who's experiencing loss? In, in particular, a listener asked how to comfort a two-year-old for a two-year-old, they don't understand death. You can say it. They don't understand it. So what they're really paying attention to is the caregiver. How's, how's mom responding? They are going to feed off of the energy of the parent or the nearest caregiver. How, how is she functioning? What is she doing? So they're going to feed off the caregiver, usually a parent, their energy. So if the mom seems to be breaking down all the time, air angry, irritable, not coping well, that's not going to be good for the child. What the child needs is consistency and routine. So that's the main thing that a child at that age needs is routine, routine, routine. When life gets thrown all over the place and there's a big disruption, you need to keep that routine with that two-year-old, period. They need to see that mommy is coping okay. Yeah, mommy can cry. Yeah, mommy can get angry, but you need to keep it together as much as you can, but it's okay. Hug, hug your two-year-old as much as possible. What they need during that time is more physical attention, more emotional attention. So keeping the routine and giving them extra, extra love, but all while taking care of yourself is imperative during this time. Oh, that sounds like so much. I don't even know how, like if it was a spouse who passes or Uh, I mean, how I would be able to keep it together. That sounds like just so difficult. You at those times, that's when you need to lean on other people. And I think a lot of times what I found that people will have a hard time reaching out. They want to kind of grieve, like they kind of go inward. Not everybody will kind of go inward. They want it to be private. They want to, but that's not going to be helpful. There's maybe a time and place for that, but to reach out. So if something like that happens, you reach out to family, you reach out to friends, you say, I'm struggling right now. I need your help. But the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to separate from your kid. So that's one of the number one things. So if grandpa dies, the mom should not leave the two-year-old for extended period of time. The separation, the, the child's going to feel that separation anxiety. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. They need that routine. So it's best to keep the kids with the caregivers, period. Yeah. 
bring yeah. them along or whatever you have to do. I mean, obviously no situation is, is ideal or perfect. There's going to be times, but when you can, you want to stay with those little kids because they just don't understand, but they sense the feeling. They sense all that. That's why they need extra love, ex- love, extra hugs. Um, they just need you to be there. Somebody yeah. wanted to know if you open the windows when someone passes to let the spirit out. I know that's like a common practice. So no, like not, not generally, cause we were usually like in somebody's home. And so we weren't going to do that. Um, however, there was one situation. I was not there for this. I heard it. I heard it later that at the hospice unit, um, there was a man that died that was just really angry. So what, one thing I have found is that if you are a very, very angry person, oftentimes you die angry, you know, and I, I saw that on several occasions, unfortunately. Um, so this person, I didn't know, but he was really angry and he was just really agitated and angry at staff and just not happy. Anyway, he passed and then the nurses were saying they left the room to go do some things, get ready for, for what he needed. And then they kept hearing noises in the room. I don't remember if they said they heard voices, but they were hearing stuff. Nobody was in there. He was, he was there, but he was dead and they kept hearing things and hearing things. And then one of the nurses said, Oh, he can't get out. And so she went in there and she cracked the window and then it stopped. So I don't know my personal beliefs about that. I don't know enough about that. All I know is I have heard that people do that and that's what she did. And then it stopped. It makes sense because we are energy. And so our energy has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Can energy go through walls? <laughs> I mean, I would assume oh, I it could. Know. That's what I don't understand. Like, why can't, I, I, I don't know enough about it. This is not an area that I know, it but there are people like that, that do. It sounds like that was a common practice for this nurse. Yeah. I think it was part of like her culture, you know, so, cause she just knew what to do. I wasn't there for it, but other people that were there were like, yeah, that's what happened. And it, and it stopped when she opened the window. Yeah. I don't know if she said anything. I don't know that. Like if she, I don't know, but I do know that she opened the window and then stopped. Well, that's what the, and that's what the, um, listeners question was. So that must be something mm-hmm. that she's also heard of. So do you think that loved ones that pass on watch over us? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And you think yep. you've gained that idea from doing hospice care or just your own personal experiences, your own personal belief? I think before I did hospice, I thought it sounded nice. And I think I thought, well, it makes sense. Why wouldn't you be able to, mm-hmm. you know, but it wasn't like a firm belief, like that's what it is. But once I started working hospice and the different patients that would say they saw so-and-so, um, I, my mom came to visit me last night or just too many things. And then with people that died and came back, um, I believe it hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had an experience one time, this was like five years ago. I think I told you the story. I'll tell it really fast, but I was taking my kid on a walk. I think he was maybe not even one yet on a walk. And all of a sudden I just felt somebody was there. 
this is not, not something that happens to me. I mean, I know I mentioned the run tonight, but other than that, this is not something that happens to this me. This is now another story to add to your walk. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and it was very peaceful. It was daytime, just pushing a stroller. And I just suddenly, it was very evident. Somebody's with me. And it felt fine, peaceful, felt good. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like somebody's with me. So we went on a walk. And then later that day, I think he was taking a nap. And I was in the kitchen baking. <laughs> um, and I'm sitting there making food. It's really quiet in the house. And somebody was in there with me. It was just a very, like, if you close your eyes and somebody walks into the room quietly, you can feel it. You just feel. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And, but it felt good. And so I actually said something out loud. <laughs> you I do was, that. You, that's your <laughs> what, what, it didn't feel scary and it was daytime. And I don't know. I think I said something like, um, just want you to know that I know that you're here. Um, welcome to my home. I don't know who you are, but I know that you're good. You know, welcome to my home. Something along those lines. And then I just continued baking. I don't know how long it was so long. I don't know how long it stayed around, but I don't know for sure who it was, mm -hmm. but I think it was a family member. So that's what kind of ties in. I think it was a, a family member of some sort. I don't know who, but it was a good energy. I yeah. wonder if it was grandma, I, I like grandma or Joe, because it seems like Joe kind of looks out for you or there's some kind of presence with him. I think so too. That's so crazy. I know. You got to tell me if you get haunted tonight. Okay. <laughs> you too. <laughs> no, we're talking about good things. Only good is allowed. Oh, good Only haunt. good is allowed. It's a good haunt. Mm -mm. <sighs> no, I said out loud, I don't want to see anything. I don't either. No. Not. I don't want any hauntings. Okay. <laughs> Only <laughs> good is welcome here. Only good is welcome here. Another listener wants to know if you're scared of dying. No. Do you want me to elaborate? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to die do not anytime Hold soon. Hold on. When I do this face like this. <laughs> <laughs> that means elaborate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Could you elaborate? <laughs> That's the elaborate face. Okay. I'll elaborate. <laughs> That's not the same face. I know. <laughs> um, Why aren't you scared of dying? Uh, because I know that I'm going to continue on and I know that it's good. Um, and then I'm going to be with people I love. And then it's going to be so amazing. And that eventually I'll be with all my family. I mean, I hope that I live a very, very long life, but I know where I'm going. And I know that it's going to be amazing. So I'm not afraid. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. So one of the listeners yeah. asked, how do you want your passing to be? How do you want? Oh to yeah. I, yeah. When I read that, I was like, have you thought of it before? No, I have. I mean, maybe like a little bit like, but so when I got that question, I was like, Hmm, I mean, I, old, super old. Um, with all my family surrounding me, hmm. you know, peaceful, totally peaceful. And just, yeah. I mean, I think most people, I think most people would want that. Some people would say in their sleep, 
I guess it would be okay, but I'd also want to say goodbye, you know? So yeah, that, I don't know. That closure is probably important. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of my friends, her, her dream passing, <laughs> you know what, for Lindsay? Okay. Oh yeah. She, her, the, like she has it all planned out. She's like, I want to die <laughs> with my husband when we're really old in the hospital and we die though because we're both on a morphine drip and they give us too much. So we're like super euphoric and like happy and feel good. And they just overdose us with it. That's and so, pretty go. so then it's really peaceful. But then her family members, her, her like kids can sue the hospital and get a crap ton of money. So it's like they go in peace. Then they're oh, she thought this through. Like, oh yeah, she has it all worked out. So... <laughs> Then her family's all taken care of. They all call it. Oh my life. gosh. <laughs> like, I think that's I, awesome. I, I subscribe to that. I think I'm down for that. I too. love that. That That is pretty awesome. I have to say. Like the notebook yeah. when they're like next to each other. Yeah. <sighs> a lot of morphine. So another listener asked um, the people that are dying, do they seem scared when they're actively dying? No. No, I had to think about that when I got that because there are phases of it but in the active dying phase, I have not seen fear. I think the only, actually, I don't think it was fear. It was, you know, one man that was so angry and just mean and angry till the very end. So it's hard to know mm-hmm. that one's a hard one, but so angry. Oh, uh, we don't really know all of the story, but he was, his son came to the hospital when he was dying and he's like, my dad is a very angry person. I haven't seen him in years. I'm only here because he's dying and I'm the next of kin. Mm-hmm. Um, but no. Um, and the reason why, in my opinion, that people really aren't scared is because generally speaking, the dying process is pretty euphoric. Mm-hmm. People are pretty comfortable. Your body's doing, your body's doing what it needs to do. And so you're more at peace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Another listener asked, what were some of the biggest regrets people had when they were dying? Mm, That's a good question. I wrote a list actually. Um, Watch, they wish you watch more Netflix. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Not enough time with family. Um, They're not in order, but I wrote a bunch. I used to hear not enough time with family or loved ones that they wish they would have spent more time. Um, Working too much was a regret. Worrying too much about things that didn't matter. You know, like that saying, worrying has no power. Doesn't. Um, Not forgiving others. A lot of regret. People holding on to grudges. Um, Being too focused on what they look like and what others think about them. A lot of things, a lot of wasted time, not focusing on things that were important. Because most people on their deathbed from what I've experienced, it's all about family. It's all about, I wish I would have spent more time. My family is the most important thing. doesn't matter how much money I have or don't have. What matters is my family and the people I love hands down every time. I try to keep that, uh, in my head too. Like, Oh, I can make more money. Oh, I can work more. Oh, I can. No, I, I don't need to. I don't, I have a happy life. I don't need millions of dollars, yeah. you know? Yeah. Family is what's important. Mm, you know friends little little ones and Mm -hmm. can't get that time back 
I know I see that sometimes when I'm like kind of doing too much I'm like I should be snuggling on the couch watching yeah. TV with my five-year-old right now um, yeah. well is- you're also human you know it's just a good reminder mm-hmm. you know we're not always going to be exactly how we want life happens life is messy life throws us around a little bit but it's a good thing to remember yeah. you know yeah you're such a therapist Thank you. <laughs> <Are> you like, <laughs> did I just therapize you? Yeah, you totally therapized me. <laughs> it's awesome having a sister who's a therapist. <laughs> Actually, you, were very, you did really good advice. You're very helpful. Oh my gosh, Summer, thanks so much for talking to me. I can't believe we actually got through it. I didn't think that would be possible in the beginning. I didn't think you would take me seriously as a host. As a little bit. Little sis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of those. Killed it. You crush it. You have so many more stories, so we'll have to do a part two. But um, okay. Anyway, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was good. Yeah. We'll do it again. Okay. Don't get haunted tonight, and if you do, call <laughs> me right away. I want to hear all about it, and that'll be important. Okay. Nope. okay. <laughs> all right. Bye. Okay. Bye.